Hello, Bears fans. Welcome back to Bears on Tap. I am Luce. He is Q. And we are back. A little bit of a hiatus. It's been a couple of weeks enjoying the 4th of July festivities. Um, but Q, before we get into the subject of today's show, which is our four-part series on the state of the Bears, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing good, man. I just got this uh, this awesome new shirt from Homage. Oh, it's awesome. You got Walter Payton on the NFL Blitz shirt. It's it's good stuff. So I'm I'm feeling good, feeling spicy. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I love the You're little feeling uh, sweet, I should say. Feeling absolutely. sweet. Absolutely. Always feeling sweet. No, I love the the allusion to homage. We we've we've got some good stuff coming with that. So be on the lookout, Bears fans. Um from our friends over at homage, but the shirts are fantastic. That is a perfect example of them. I know they also have an NFL blitz version that is Justin Fields uh, as well. Real good looking shirt. That one's on my, Uh, uh, my want for sure. The only reason I didn't go Fields is because it's black. And when I wear a black shirt and my beard gets longer, it just looks like my face disappears into it on here. (laughs) So I, I just, I can't wear black on these. That's fair. That's totally fair. I've had that issue too. When I wear like dark blue, the beard yeah. starts to blend with everything. So the gray is <laughs> gray is nice contrast. I'm right there with you, man. Yeah. But Hey man, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, I'm, I'm also doing well. I, we're getting closer to football. Like I said, football, it's so close. I can smell it. I'm just, I'm ready to actually talk bears and, but we got a lot of good stuff to talk about today because for those that maybe haven't been keeping up with our last four shows, Q, you came up with the idea, having a state of the bears and asking four different groups of people. And we had the film guy, we had the the numbers guy, just the traditional fan and a coach. And we we gathered their thoughts on the same set of questions, same you know, seven questions. Obviously, each show had their own little insert questions because of the, the way the conversation went. But just to compare they almost just how people look at football and in this case, how they look at the state of the bears. Um, so something that you put together Q and we're, we're going to quickly bring it up here uh, as a big thank you to all of our guests. As we mentioned, our film guy was Mr. Robert Schmitz over at Windy city Gridiron. You can follow his Twitter handle there. Uh, our stack guy, Mr. Jonathan Wood, uh, our boy Skokes uh, coming on the show as our fan. And then Mr. Brandon Robinson, which was the show you did with Q uh, the last show as well. If you haven't listened to that one yet, folks, please go listen to it. Uh, I mean, all four of them were absolutely incredible, uh, but a huge thank you and a huge shout out to all of our guests coming on during this series, because it really has made for a lot of intriguing points and just intriguing dialogue surrounding the team based on kind of how you look at the team as a whole, Q. So uh, without further ado, man, I'm going to let you kind of take point on this because you you did a nice job. For anybody that doesn't know, if you don't know this already, you clearly are very new to Bears on Tap. So that's why we're, we're, we're just letting you know about this. Q is very organized. Q is the exact opposite. <laughs> Q is also very good with spreadsheets. So Q put together this beautiful, big PDF spreadsheet. Of all of the answers from our panelists and and all the detail and all of that stuff. So uh, because you did all the work, my friend, I'm going to let you steer the conversation here today. But I've got the notes up in front of me as well. I mean, this really was super duper fascinating. Our, our boy Skokes here in the comments. We appreciate you, buddy. Thanks for joining us again. Let's start. Yeah. How, yeah, how so- what did What did you think of the experiment as a whole, Q? Like, that's what I really want to know. I thought it was awesome. I mean, so one of the things I was really worried about with this, like the only thing I was worried about with it was redundancy, right? The same answers, the same explanations. And it was, we while we got some of the same answers, the explanations were all different, 
which is what we were looking for, right? We, we wanted to see different perspectives and how, how you reach these conclusions that we owe to the questions that we were asking. And I thought we really got that. We got, you know, multiple people might've said they were, they're, the thing they're most worried about is offensive line or defensive line, but the explanation was different in each one, which was really cool to see and really, really cool to hear. And so my thoughts with today's show is, We'd, we'd run through each question, kind of compare some of the answers and give our thoughts on, yep. on it and what we think. Love so that. opening it up with the, the state of the Bears question, and I'll read off the question so that anyone who hasn't listened to the previous ones ha- will have a, 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 a baseline of what we're working with. It was, it was simple. What do you see the state of the Bears as being? Like, what, where are they sitting to you? So... The first first response we got feels good. Still a work in process or work in progress, however you want to say it. But they're sitting in a really good spot after take essentially taking their salary cap medicine and being like get, getting almost a, a reset on everything after leaving the uh, Ryan Pace era. Mm-hmm. And second response, very similar. Things are looking up, and that we expect the Bears to be competitive. Not great. They're still missing high-end talent, but competitive. They have built a base for this team. And it continued with, with Skokes. Loves how, how Poles has approached it, ripping it down to the studs and trying to build up through the draft and through smart investments, mm-hmm. which, again, it all kind of fits the same idea. And then Brandon Robinson, uh, his was a little different. It was It would still feel really good about the spot they're in. But he sees it as this is the start of the rebuild. This is you know, where we are right now. Previously yeah. wasn't wasn't the start. It was the you know ground zero. So now yeah. it's like the studs are up and the rebuild really starts. You start to form this thing. Um, and his take was kind of you know tempered expectations more for this year, but very excited for what the future brings. Mm-hmm. So. What do you think, Ron? What what do you see the state of the Bears' game? You know, it, 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 it for sake of the show, you want to say, oh, I feel differently than all of our guests. But I don't because I think everybody was really spot on. And like you said, everybody, everybody answered in a different way, but ultimately got to kind of the same, I guess, theme. And that is this Bears team is on the up, right? This team is, is not – in a spot where we're looking at another three and, you know, 14 season and, and the number one overall pick again, they just aren't, they should take a step forward. And there are a lot of ifs, right? I mean, there, there's a lot of ifs in terms of health of the roster. There's a lot of ifs of do your top playmakers truly perform like top playmakers, you know, your DJ Moore's of the world. Um, obviously Justin Fields is probably the largest. What if of the, of the 2023 yeah. season, you know, and even looking on the defensive side of the ball, do your linebackers live up to the investment, right? You mentioned that that word investment, that smart investment. Do those guys live up to the to the some of the hype? Does the secondary continue to develop and improve? Most mostly for the younger guys, right? The Jalen Johnsons, the the Jaquan Briskers, now the Tyreek Stevensons of the world. And the, and even the Kyler Gordons, you know, second year player now coming into this year. But you're starting to see just so much more talent than I think we've seen really in a couple of seasons. This is probably the most talented Bears team we've seen probably since 2018. 
I mean, it, it's just the nature of the beast. They're not overpaying guys anymore to fill roles that they realistically can't fill. I think, like you said, that 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 smart investment is such a key word, I think, in what they're doing right now and why they're on the up. Because if you look at the top paid guys on this team right now, they're young. They're probably going to get better than they are right now. And they fill kind of marquee spots for what this team wants to do. Middle linebacker, you know, it's obviously safety with a guy like Eddie Jackson. DJ Moore is your top receiver. So I agree with, with our guests in the sense this team's on the up. But there are still a lot of what-ifs to this season. Like, if the what-ifs go well, this could be a 10-win ball club this year. You know, stupider shit yeah. has happened in the NFL. We've seen it. But there's also a world where the what-ifs don't go well, and maybe this team does only win, you know, six or seven games realistically over the course of the year. Yeah, I mean, I'm generally kind of in, in consensus with what, what we heard from everyone else and what you said. You know, there's there's real reason to be optimistic right now about the Bears and where they're headed. But there's just a pause in my brain of, like, how optimistic you know, it's like, yeah. you know, I, I can be really optimistic for two, three years down the road when, you know, everything is always butterflies two, three years down the road for every NFL team, though, right? Everything's always rainbows and beautiful. But mm. the Bears have put themselves in a position to be really competitive in free agency, in making moves, in acquisitions, and in draft capital, which is just really cool to see. I think um, – one of my favorite things that was said through this whole series was on that last episode with Brandon Robinson on another question, even, but it was GMs always get applauded for making moves. They never get applauded for not making moves. And sometimes not making a move is the smarter decision. Mm -hmm. So while I do have some skepticism left in my head of like, is polls ever going to pull the trigger? he started to chip away at that with the number one pick trade because I thought he played that perfectly. And like, he pulled the trigger right when he should have, but the more moves he makes like that, that are calculated and feel just right. The more I start to believe like this isn't a guy with a, who's scared to pull the trigger. This is a guy who knows exactly when he should, you know, gaining that trust. Can I add a little bit onto that story too? So for people that might not know, Bears fan through and through, obviously. But like my my number two team that I love to follow, I love to I dig a little deeper into than any other team in the NFL is the Carolina Panthers. So it was ironic that these two that the Bears and the Panthers made the trade when it did happen. But I was watching the Panthers have a YouTube series that's out right now. And it's three episodes deep. And they're long episodes. Like these are like 40-minute episodes. And each one kind of highlights like their rebuild, essentially, right? Like hiring Frank Reich because he was the first quarterback in the team's history. So like he's back in Carolina and that whole, you know, scenario getting bright, you know, Bryce Young. And they really highlighted the trade of the number one pick. And to your point about polls and pulling the trigger. Originally, because the Carolina Panthers were very, um, how do I say it? They were very open about what ended up happening. I feel like more open than what polls was when asked about what kind of came up to the trade. They said the original plan was the bears were going to trade back with Houston for two. And then the bears were going to trade Carolina to go back to nine and Carolina move up to two. So they'd still get one of the top two quarterbacks, but then because some things were going back and forth still, 
it's the way, the way they make it sound is that the GM for Carolina and owner Dave Tepper just kind of woke up and chose violence and said, fuck it. Let's see if we can jump the Texans and just see what happens. And that's exactly what happened. And then polls pulled the trigger. So it kind of goes back to when polls was saying like, it just came together the way it came together and we couldn't say no, because to your point, right. And you said this uh, on the show with Robert, right. And, and, you know, and Robert also noted this, like it made it sound like DJ Moore was like the player they settled on, but it's like, no, the the Panthers were pissed. They had to give up DJ, yeah. Moore, but they, they really saw the plan and what they wanted to do at the top of the draft and having that opportunity to get to one instead of two, I think is what ultimately swung them to be willing to give up DJ Moore. So it's just, it's really interesting to, to kind of say, like you said, right. Where like polls pulling the trigger and those smart, again, smart investments. That was one where, it, he took – I don't want to say he took advantage of, but he allowed the deal to be the best possible because Carolina wanted to be so aggressive. So he said, all right, let's make something happen then if you want to be that aggressive, and they did. Yeah. Um, man, I'm always skeptical when any front office says, we're happy with either of those two. No, you're not. Shut up. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like saying you're happy with the <laughs> NFC championship. Like, no, you're not. No. <laughs> There's one guy who's better than the other in all your minds. Um, yeah. yeah. But so moving on to the, the next question here, it was what do you want to see more of from the Bears? And this it was very all these questions are very open-ended, very interpretation-based. Um, and I really liked Robert's answer to start. Just mm-hmm. it, it, obviously he went a little more in depth with it, but started out just saying wins. Yep. Just win, baby. And then he went into, you know, how do you do that? Like he said, more specifically, you want to see the players take advantage of opportunities and execute on the basics in order to make those plays. Mm -hmm. And that will result in wins. And that, I think, I thought that was an outstanding answer of like, you look back at how many games the bears last year, they lost close because they couldn't execute the little things right. Mm-hmm. It was over and over, just little things like where where to turn on a curl route and where, you know, little stuff that, you know, it matters a lot, but it's not noticeable a lot. Um, and then basically he went on to say, need to plan to throw it more too. Mm-hmm. Does Getsy really want to throw the football? Because he hasn't shown it yet. And they need to develop a quick game to be able to do that. And that really went into a theme that kind of came along with everybody. Like we went on a Jonathan Wood. His answer was the passing game. Mm-hmm. The team killed it on the ground this year. They, they led the NFL in rushing. They rushed for like 3,000 yards last year. But they only won three games, you know? Stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's ex- he said excited to see Fields find the balance of not just pushing it downfield all the time, which kind of fits in with what Robert was saying at a short game. And just taking the layups was what mm-hmm. he said. And he, he, where he ended up going with this was that he thinks that that will be there because of the talent that they put around him. Because in order to take those layups, you need to trust, right? Mm-hmm. You need to trust that you're making this easy throw to the guy and he has three yards to run. You have to trust that he's going to catch it and get those three yards. Otherwise, you might be behind the sticks again. Right. And getting that more talent around field should help make that easier for him. Mm-hmm. Um and then Skokes, I thought Skokes had an outstanding answer here. Mm. Um, I could not agree. 
the routine offense, having a routine offense, which, what does that mean, right? It doesn't, it, it, it almost sounds like you're saying you want them to have like the same three things they do. This is Chicago Bear football. This is what we do. But that's not quite it. It's, it's saying we have plays that are easy for us, right? Mm-hmm. We have bread and butter plays. We have things that we know we can move the football consistently with. And we're not living and dying by the 80-yard Justin Fields run or the, the right. 60-yard bomb to DJ Moore that happens once every 20 plays, and then you're just trying to fill in the gaps in between. Mm-hmm. So I thought that hitting on like improving that success rate and being able to consistently move the football, that's something I can completely get behind. And then Brandon Robinson, I thought had the, such an interesting answer here, um, saying that he wants to see how this offense evolves around Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't so much like any a specific item that he wants to see the Bears do, but he just wants to see them make this offense Justin Fields' offense, right? right? However you do that. And he, he, he talked about how, to start off last year, Bears were a basic outside zone offense, under center a lot, a lot of play action, and then – Field started doing this thing where he just made touchdowns happen out of nowhere, right? And they started to say, I can get behind that. This is good. So they started tailoring it more to him and more to him and his game and his skill set. And that was midseason. You know, there, there wasn't a plan around this. This was not at all done in training camp. This was all handled midseason. So having a full offseason, a full training camp at install, and a full, you know, months of time to think about how can we really accentuate Justin's skills? It's going to be really exciting to see as long as they, they, they're doing it right. You know, which I don't know what's right. You don't know what's right. None of us do. But you hope they do. And mm-hmm. then he also talked about um, how they need to tailor it towards DJ Moore as well mm-hmm. because having that first read type wide receiver in DJ Moore they now have that's what's going to help with because one of the biggest knocks on fields right is it throwing with anticipation mm-hmm. we don't really see it but you, you need it comes back to that trust that you got to have in your playmakers and the easiest way to build that trust tailor this thing towards what DJ Moore does well too Mm-hmm. Find that find that middle ground where you're hitting on both those guys, the number one target and the quarterback. And you should start to see that anticipation grow and grow and grow. But what do you think, Ron? What what are you most excited for this season? Uh, I think you're not what excited I, for, excuse me. What do you want to see more of this season? I think I think I lean, I think, the closest to what Skokes said. I really love that answer, just the routine offense. Like, I'm sick and tired of the three and out, three and out, three and out, and then they magically put together a five-play drive because it's two big plays by Justin Fields, and then they score. Just more consistency. Like, consistency is key. And I what I love about that is all four of our, our panelists' answers almost kind of build off each other in a way. Like, if I was writing – a, a, a paper for like a university that needs to be 17 pages, double spaced. Like I'm combining all four of their answers. And this is what we need to see more of, of the Chicago bears in 2023, because they really did all kind of build off of one another. Right. Yeah. You got Brandon saying tailor the offense to Justin Fields. All right, great. They kind of did that a little bit last year more. So during the run game, so what else do they need to do? 
we want to see more passing. Okay, well, you got to you know build in Jonathan's answer then. Well, how do you what 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 else was passing going to help you do offensively? Have a routine because you're not just running the ball. You know, you're 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 not throwing the ball only 20 times a game. You're throwing the ball maybe 35, 40 times a game now. And then that, in theory, should lead to wins. So it, it really does kind of all build off one another. I, I think one of the uh, you know interesting things too that Brandon brought up uh, on your guys's interview was the idea of the, the pistol formation like that to me was incredible because it's true, right? Like the, I, the one thing that the spread offense lacks is the ability to run effective play action because there is no turning of the, the body and the shoulders for a quarterback to simulate run. And a lot of that quote unquote play action, I think is why you see so many spread offenses use more of the, the, you know, the kind of the, you know, the RPO. Right. And the run pass yeah. reads because they can't build in that play action simulation that's going to freeze a linebacker. So what do you do to build that in? You freeze the linebacker by having an option to go to in the passing yeah. game. If he flies in on the running back for a run, well, it, it, that's almost what makes up for not being able to play action in a spread offense. So I, I love that idea of even if it's not, it's not going to be the whole offense, nor will it ever be at the NFL level. But if you build in some more of those pistol sets, it just gives the defense another look that they have to worry about. And I think that yeah. can improve the passing game because it will allow for more of that play action. It, it, it really is just, we want to see this bears offense. I think really in at the end of it, Q, I want to see them be more fun. And if they're more fun, all four of our panelists answers are being combined into that equation to make this offense. Better. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, if, there is no way we are going to be able to touch on everything that was, you know, discussed in any of these episodes, but especially another, the, another the one shameless with... reason that everybody should go back and listen to all four of them. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> especially the episode with Brandon, Brandon Robinson, our, our coach panelist, we got, we got in the weeds on some stuff and yeah, it was, it was just some really good discuss, football discussion. Um, yeah. F- calling all football nerds. Go listen to all four <laughs> of these. You'll love all of them. Yeah. Um, but so the next question here was about favorite thing you've seen from the bears this off season mm-hmm. or, and again, the, these were similar, but gotten to from different kind of viewpoints. Robert's answer was more like looking at the roster from, from the, you know, hundred mile up view of like just the complete aggregate that players can fail on this roster mm-hmm. and get injured or miss time or whatever it might be. And there's a guy behind most of them who you at least feel somewhat confident can play at the NFL level through a lot of the roster. Now that's not to say there aren't holes, but the depth is far improved on this team. And it's because they've taken a volume approach to Mm. adding talent was the way that Robert put it was that they're, you know, they're not discriminating by need. They're just saying, this guy's talented. We want him. We're going to get him. We might not have a spot for him now, but we're going to have that depth built up in those spots. And that was really similar to what, what Jonathan Wood had to say, who said the improved depth across the roster is the thing that he is the, the most excited about, that he's loved to mm-hmm. see them do. Because last year they went into the year with so many of these depth guys as starters, you know? Yeah. Equanimous St. Brown, Dante Pettis, Larry Borum, Lucas Patrick, Jack Sanborn, 
Kendall Vildor. All these guys started for the Bears last year. Now they're all depth, which is probably where they where they would slot on most NFL teams. Yeah. And that's a good thing. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they have built this depth naturally through that. And your depth now has like some of these guys had experience before this. Some of them didn't. And now they they're NFL experience. They're not walking out on the field like wide eyed. They're walking mm-hmm. out there hungry because they had their chance. They lost it and they want another bite at the apple, you know? Um, and then Skokes, his answer was a little different, but I really liked it. It was mm-hmm. really just, it, it really just boiled down to the investment in offense, right? And that's something that is very foreign to Bears fans, myself included. It's, we've only seen it once and it ended in just complete disaster. So I don't know. I don't know what <laughs> offensive investment is as a Chicago Bears fan. Yeah, upgrading the wide receiver room and the O-line room. I mean, you got you took your biggest asset, you made sure you got a receiver with it. Then you, you drafted an O-lineman in the top 10. You added a, one of your biggest O-line or free agent additions wasn't along the offensive line. They, they have clearly targeted the offense. And on top of adding a guy like – I mean, even people have very mixed opinions about him, but Claypool, going back to last year, adding Claypool just because it's talent. You know, mm-hmm. it, maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't, but you added the talent level of the room. And um, even what was I think? I, I lost my I lost my point there. But oh Robert Tanyan, Bob Tan. Even, Good even old Bob a Tanyan. guy like Robert Tanyan, who's his floor yeah. is pretty high as a tight end. And you feel pretty good if Komet goes down that Tanyan can jump in and it can be pretty seamless. Yeah. And then uh Brandon's answer was a little different, but it was it was all about Ryan Pohl's patience. That he's taken the slow approach to the rebuild, kind, kind of the the fool's rush in kind of mentality, right? That you got to get there, you got to go, go, go. You got to sign guys, you got to add guys, which, you know, I would have loved. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it was necessarily the right thing to do either. I'm wrong quite a bit. So, um, but not – the point that he really made that was – I thought really well put was that coming off the Ryan pace regime where it was, you're borrowing every chip you can get so you can go all in constantly, at least in the last few years of it to more of the slow approach and letting the market set itself before you're jumping in to overpay guys. And that mm-hmm. it's, it, it was refreshing to him and that the money that they're not spending right now, that's going to roll over to next year. And they're going to be able to pay DJ more with that money because he wants he's going to want a new contract. They traded sure. the number one pick for him. He's going to want a new deal. Uh, you got to pay Komet. You got to pay Mooney. So there's guys here who need money, and you're going to have more cap available next year that you saved this year. Uh, but what do you think, Ron? What was your favorite thing from the Bears offseason? I I have to echo just again. Um, Skokes hitting it on the head. I think the investment in the offense, you know, it, it it was very clear that this team wanted to invest in the offense and it wasn't necessarily, again, it's not like they took, you know, every pick in their first, second and third round and invested in the offense. They still invested in the defense, which was absolutely the right move. They still did that, did that in free agency, but Darnell Wright in the first round, DJ Moore, Claypool last year, Roshan Johnson to add to a running back room that you've already upgraded by adding Travis Homer and Deontay, uh, Deontay Foreman in free agency. 
And then you add Robert Tanyan to complement Cole Komet. I think a lot of people forget. Even I forgot this. You know how I figured this out? Playing Madden yesterday, Q. I actually figured this out playing fucking Madden with the Bears playbook. They do a lot of two tight end shit. And having two tight ends that can be legitimate weapons on the field is a game changer. Not a shot at Trevon Wesco from a year ago. Not a shot at Jake Tongas. But those guys are not Robert Tanyan. Especially in an offense where Robert Tanyan was really fucking good in for a multitude of seasons in Green Bay. So... I think that investment in the offense is my favorite thing, Q. I want to hear yours as well. What was your favorite thing the Bears did? Ultimately, it's probably just the offensive investment. I'm there with you. Um, Either that or the number one pick trade. I mean, I just really think that was a home run. I I, I have a hard time saying it wasn't in in a draft where there was not a Caleb Williams. You know, there was not a Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I, nothing against Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. No, I don't think there was. I don't think there was a guy on Fields' level or Lawrence's level or Caleb Williams. Like, there wasn't that blue chip QB. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't all Ryan Poles, but, <laughs> I mean, he had to have something to do with it. There was a lot of drama stirred up about two QBs who are good prospects, not mm-hmm. great prospects. You know, and there, there was there was a lot of smoke going out all over the place about it. There was no one really knew. I just thought that he handled that masterfully, mm-hmm. and I, I can't laud him laud him enough for it. Yeah, completely agree with you, man. I, I just the the way that first round. I think I think especially too. Once I heard what kind of from the Carolina side of how that trade went down, and polls was grinding on that trade. It wasn't just like uh, he woke up one day and called Carolina and said, let's do a deal. Like that, that discussion was probably for a long time. I'm sure they had elaborate conversations with probably every team in the top 10 about what do you think about moving up to number one, especially quarterback needy teams. Like, don't get me wrong. I know they, they recommitted to Desmond Ritter, but like you can't sit here and tell me that Atlanta didn't call with some type of legitimate level of interest, just to at least beg the question of like, what would it take to move up? So I think even the Raiders too, right? Like, and Tennessee, to me, I think Tennessee yeah. probably called plenty. Absolutely. Like, I, I think, I think you saw that too with kind of how they approached their quarterback situations. Obviously, in Tennessee's case, they still ended up getting Levis in the second round. But look at look at Oakland or part of me Vegas. They they went and signed Jimmy G. Like, no shot of Jimmy G. He's not an atrocious quarterback, but he's not an elite quarterback. They there was probably some interest there. Like, could we go get a Bryce Young or, or a CJ Stroud and let them sit for a year behind Jimmy G? And we we've invested significant capital in our quarterback. So just I think the fact that polls again, I think what was so interesting was the fact that they the the kind of original thought process was the Bears to trade from one to two and then two to nine. And then Carolina just said, nope, fuck it. We're not waiting for Houston anymore. We're going to jump them. And that's that's how the deal went down. So um, I have to agree with you there. Dude. I think that's like a 1A, really, of, of favorite things. It's just the type of return and how that not only changes the team for the current time, right? Obviously, this year they they got, you know, the, 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 the second rounder from Carolina. You know, they got um, obviously DJ Moore. But you got, a, you got two firsts next year. In what should be a pretty good draft? Sheesh. Gotta love a Brian Poles. Yeah. Yeah. So 
next one here was least favorite thing from the off season. And I'm going to, I'm going to start jumping around on order here. Cause I want to finish with a few certain ones, sure. but um, so this one, I'm going to start off with Brandon Robinson and go the other direction. And he said the outlook of the O-line and he thought it might've even been a hot take, but he, he thinks this bears O-line is still probably bottom five in the NFL. And really his worries root from, you know, you are a fifth round rookie taking a step back and a rook at left tackle and a rookie right tackle away from serious issues, let alone the injury concerns with a Tevin Jenkins, mm-hmm. with a Nate Davis who hasn't mm-hmm. finished a full season in a few years. Um, and he really got into the, th- the thing with Darnell Wright. It's a really good pass protector, but it's still a major adjustment to move to the pro level. Absolutely. And ultimately he said he's expecting him not to play that well because that's what rookies do at tackle rookie offensive tackles do not play well. That's just kind of a fact out there for the most part. And these edge rushers are so good that it's going to, he's worried that it's going to be a constant issue with this O line. Mm -hmm. And I can see where he's coming from because I'm, I'm still a little skeptical on this line as well. If everything goes right, I think they can be fine. They can be good even, but everything doesn't go right all that often in the NFL. And then moving on to Skokes, I thought he had the best answer of this whole show. (laughs) Uh, Of the whole series. Like Skokes just knocked this one out of the park. And just the way that he presented it was, you know, the, 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 uh, he hyped it up. Yeah. He hyped it up. (laughs) I'm just like, man, I've been to training camps, spent a lot of days out there. And in the burning sun, not allowed to take pictures. Yeah. yeah. Not allowed to take pictures or videos. They'll call you out. They'll, they'll, they'll make you show, show them that you're deleting it. And it's like the first two weeks of training camp, we're installing basic stuff. Yeah. It's not like we're giving out like national secrets here. No, it's 47 <laughs> gap and 56 gap. Just let it run. Like who cares? The, the the real the real nail in the coffin on this answer was that when he mentioned the Patriots who live stream their training camp online, it's yeah. like what are we doing here, Bears? Come on! I I I felt that one. I really did. I agree. Um, and then Jonathan Woods' answer really came pretty similar to Brandon's of that injuries start to hit on this O line, which is not not unfeasible considering the injury history of some of these guys that it just felt like they needed to add one more starter on this unit. You know, they, they needed to add a center or another guard or some one of those two or a right tackle, even if, like before the draft, I, I personally think a swing tackle would have made a lot of sense to bring on, but Borum is okay there. So like, I mean, you know, he's not, he's not, He's probably about league average for a swing tackle, I'd say. So, like, that's generally fine. But really just hit, hitting on that point that there's a lot of question marks on this O-line. Could end up being fine, but it would feel a lot better if they added one more sure thing there, one more bet that you felt good about. And then the final answer here was from Robert, and it was a little different. And I I think that he Robert has a real way with words. And of putting things in perspective. He does. And he crushed this one. And he said, by punting on 2022, 
the implicit drawback is that you've hung fields out to dry, right? Yeah. And that you don't really know what you have in him because he hasn't had any tools, right? We have an idea. We know he's talented. We know he's got, he's got that gamer in him, and he's, he's going to do things on the football field that are really exciting. But you're still trying to figure out what exactly it is that he is it isn't good at because he hasn't had the, the tools around him to really even assess it. Mm-hmm. And the thing that really hit home for me on this is that the Bears are coming into this season saying that they have to trust the most important position in football can ignore all the bad lessons for the last two years and suddenly take all the good lessons and just bring them in easily. And I mean, that, that's very just mixed communication, right? Mm-hmm. Like ignore this, ignore this, but learn this, learn this. It's yeah. that, that, that is something that is hard to do. And ultimately you're, you're, you've started to ingrain in fields mind just, just from a physical standpoint of like getting hit or not getting hit. Why would I step up on the, uh, in the pocket and not leave the pocket, you know, when it works so well every time. And when I do stay in the pocket, I get a soul crushing hit or, you know, why would I trust the wide receiver to be in the right spot at the right time? Or even think play actions helping me with the way some of this stuff has gone. Mm -hmm. And ultimately the thing that really nailed it to me was we're Justin Fields and us are, we're different. You know, we see what's happening. We get emotions from it. We have feelings from it. He's living it. You know, 12 soul-crushing losses was the way that Robert put it. What does he take away from 12 soul-crushing losses last year where he put life and limb on the line week in, week out? And that's that, that it's, it, it hits different for me when I hear it that way. You know, yep. so what do you think, Ron? What's what's the thing that you were was your least favorite aspect of what the Bears are doing? I love I love the way that Robert put everything. And I, I think it's definitely something that needs to be thought about. But I think in order for Robert's point to potentially be proven wrong, I lean with Jonathan in the sense of the lack of investment in the offensive line, specifically in the depth. Like I I don't hate that you brought in a guy like Davis, who statistically is like one of the best pass blockers in the NFL. I don't hate that you brought in a high upside right tackle and a guy like Darnell Wright, who is natural at the position and it shouldn't look too much like a fish out of water, despite being a rookie tackle. But again, right. You're, you're, it's kind of like what we kind of started the top of the show with the state of the state of the bears, right? There's a lot of what ifs on that offensive line. Yeah. Can Cody Whitehair stay healthy? Can Tevin Jenkins stay healthy? Like that's, that's two fifths of your, that's 40% of your offensive line right there. And then you throw in Davis on top of that. Your entire middle three have dealt with injury issues over the last two to three seasons. That's a huge concern because the depth behind them isn't great outside of a guy like Lucas Patrick, who again is probably a league average backup in that event. And he can't play all three positions at once if two guys go down. So, you know, I think the lack of another guard or the lack of a, maybe even a veteran center is a little, a little worrying. I don't hate what they, again, what they did at tackle. I think they will be okay at tackle. I really do. I think Wright will be okay. And I think Jones takes a step forward in year two, but that middle, that middle, you know, 60% of the line right now is either make or break. 
and that can will directly affect what happens to Justin Fields in 2023. So I have to lean with Jonathan. I would love to hear what your your thoughts are, though, Q. Yeah, so, I mean, ultimately, I think my, my opinion here, it should be pretty much echoing what Robert said. Like, I know it should be, but the irrational fan in me just believes in Justin Fields so much that I, it's like, it's not the top of my list. Right. And right. it's, it, I, I understand it's irrational. I, I, I'm willing to admit that and say like, you know, th- there are reasons to, to be worried about what has happened to him, but like, nah, he'll be fine. The thing that worries me more than that. And even more than the O line right now is I need Getsy to prove it. Hmm. I need Getsy to prove that maybe last year was a tank because some of that play calling decisions, some of the stuff that was going on was really pretty unforgivable if it wasn't. You know, it, it was pretty like when Justin Fields is tearing up the Packers for the entire first half, why do you stop throwing it in the second half with a lead that was not insurmountable? You know, stuff like, like, it, yeah. it I, th- I don't think it was as egregious as it might be, but mm-hmm. like, I need that to be proven. I need to see Getsy prove to me that he is all that he's chalked up to be. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think that was, I love that you brought that up, Q, because I think that was a point that really wasn't overly discussed right everybody's putting emphasis on fields taking that step fields taking that step fields taking that step how about luke getsy taking that step because yeah for all we know i don't know the inner workings of what the green bay did but matt lafleur probably had a lot of influence on the play calling yeah. in green bay this was really getsy's first time being the guy calling the place he is relied upon because Fluce's defensive background to be the offensive voice for the team so the fact that like you said I can't, I mean, how many games did, you know, you and beat on and, and myself and whomever was, was taking the mic on bears on tap last year, just be like, what the fuck were they doing in the second half? Or what were they doing here with the play calling? I think the play calling got kind of yelled about a lot last season and then kind of forgotten about as the off season yeah. went on because they did so much. So I'm glad you called that out. Cause I really do think there's just as much as, Fields needs to take a step forward in 2023. I think Getsy needs to take a step forward as a, a play caller in 2023 as well. Yeah. And I mean, kudos to the Bears staff. They figured something out at the or the mini buy, yes. whatever it was. Yep. And, um, but that was also what five, six weeks into six, the season of an offense that in. really wasn't working. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, scared to acknowledge that some of that might've been Justin Fields learning in offense. Some of it was, you know, I mean, he, he did not play well in those first four weeks, you know, but the offense wasn't exactly chugging along either. And it, it felt like a slow adjustment period and football is so much about what are you, how are you going to counter punish? Right. And it was kind of slow. The bears took a bit of a beating before they, they threw a counter punch last year. So next question here was about what position you're most excited about this year. And for this one, we got, we got a lot of the same answers here, which makes sense. Wide receiver. 
And Robert's reasoning was we've seen him skimp on wide receiver our entire lives. Mm -hmm. And really we've sat here and raved about having a good wide receiver room when it was average to below average. So this one just feels really good. You know, it feels, it feels like a real bright spot on this team and it's just nice to see polls say, you know, we got, we got Mooney, we got play Claypool, but that still isn't enough. Mm -hmm. So we need more. And then, um, Brandon's was also wide receiver and his, his, his answer, it ended up uh, through some discussion back and forth, really getting into the chase Claypool stuff, which was really yeah. fun. Um, and that, you know, the critique of Claypool, a lot of it's probably fair. A lot of it is fair. Some of it might not be, I'm not sure. I don't know the guy, but what I can say and what Brandon said that this is his chance to cash it. This is a big year for to beat Chase Claypool. And Absolutely. that he might not be doing every – maybe he doesn't believe that he needs to put in all the work right now at this point in the offseason. Mm -hmm. But the second he gets into training camp, watch out for him because he's looking to flash as much as he can. He wants $20 million a year. Cute. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't want $20 million a year? And when I you have the athletic ability that Chase Claypool has, like, mm -hmm. there has never been a question about the athlete this guy is, about the size that he brings to the football field, the speed, the strength. He has everything. He's, like, built in a lab-type receiver. Facts. So it, if he comes into camp saying, I'm getting that bag, there's a real chance he might be getting that bag. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think he's such a, a fascinating player because of like what you mentioned, just the raw tools. And maybe some of it is finally that he's like, hey, if I want to get paid, I got to I got to come and ready to play and show people what I can actually do. Yeah. And and kind of earn that that Mapletron nickname that he, he garnished yeah. coming out of college at Notre Dame. So I'm right there with you, man. And yeah, if he if he is a guy who. um if he puts in the work, it's all there. Like it, there is not a coach in the NFL who, if he, if Claypool is making it clear to his teammates and his coaches that he's all in and doing all the work, there is not a coach in the NFL who's going to keep the ball out of his hands. Agreed. So Jay Wood had a similar response in skill positions. He said, because there's always five of these guys in the field for the most part, he sees running back, wide receiver, tight end, pretty interchangeable here. But it's all it all works in cohesion together, which I can really appreciate, and I I, I actually kind of like that outlook on it. But just mm -hmm. that last year, there were maybe three of these guys that you really felt comfortable with between these positions of being you know starters on your team, and this year there's eight, and that's a big jump. You know, that's a lot more guys that you're putting in there at skill positions not even just for, for the starters at all times there, but to mix and match when you need to, when an injury happens, that you can, you can go more heavy formation. You can go more 11 personnel. And mm -hmm. you have solutions to some problems within that. And then Skokes went a complete different direction here. Opposite side of the football. And I like it, the secondary. Yeah. I'm excited to see the secondary this year too. So I can't blame them. There's a lot of talent in that secondary. Yeah, you got is. three top 50 picks at cornerback. You've got Eddie Jackson, a former all pro at safety. 
and then another top 50 pick next to him at safety. So you got four top 50 picks starting plus an all pro player. That's a lot of talent in a secondary, but yeah, what they, do you think, Ron? No, I, just to add to, to Skokes's point too. I, he, I think what was cool about Skokes's answer too, was he didn't just stop at, they have Jalen, they have Kyler, they have, you know, Jaquan, they have Eddie. He, he we just he didn't really discuss Tyreek a whole lot either, which was cool. No. He went into the depth guys that they got in this draft. He went into the Terrell Smiths of the world. He went into some of the the lesser known names or the guys that maybe we didn't pay attention to as much, but are going to be just as important to this DB room in twenty twenty three. So I, I think that made for a really interesting answer. But I agree with you that this this secondary probably has as much talent as I can remember in my fandom as a Bears fan. In you know. 20 plus years probably dating back to the days of Mike Brown and Tillman and Chris Harris. And like, we're, we're talking that level in terms of, of talent in the secondary. Um, but Q to, to answer the position, what, what I'm truly most excited about. Yeah. It's hard not to be excited about receiver though. Like it's, it's hard. Cause I, I like DJ Moore again. This was a guy that I, I not to say I called it, but I've been hammered on the door since the trade deadline. I said the Bears needed to look at DJ Moore back at when they acquired Chase Claypool. I was like, Carolina's in a weird situation. They're probably going to blow it up in some capacity. Carolina was reportedly open for business. I was like, they would trade DJ Moore in a heartbeat because he just got paid. That's $20 million a year you're allocating to a receiver. Granted, again, like Robert mentioned, you get him at a discount technically because all the signing bonuses stay with Carolina. Yeah. So he's only cost he's costing the Bears 20 mil, a little over 20 mil this year. But the next two years, he's only costing them about 16 and a half mil, which bargain for a guy like DJ Moore. And he's still young enough, right? Like this isn't a 30-year-old receiver coming in where he's going to decline in three years. He's 26. And like he just turned 26 a couple months ago. So you've got 26 this year, 27 next year, 28. He'll be 29 entering what should be a big dollar value year for him. If he gets paid again in free agency, whether it's with Chicago or not, hopefully it's with the Bears because I'd love to see G.J. Moore be a Bear for a long time. And then, you know, you, you sign him to that four-year monster contract and he rides that out. And then again, because of his addition, you slot everybody else into good spots. Mooney does not need to be the number one guy in this offense. He thrived when he was not the number one guy in this offense. When they still had Allen Robinson. Yes, I know Allen Robinson wasn't good that year statistically. He wasn't targeted a lot, but... As a result, Darnell, he was still on the field. Darnell Mooney went off for 1,000 yards. And then Claypool, like you mentioned, this is a guy that has all the talent in the world. If he puts it together, he, he's not a bear next year. Let's just put it that way. If he has a quality season this year for Chicago and truly is that number two behind DJ, he's not a bear next year because they're not going to pay him $20 million a year when you already have another $20 million a year receiver on your roster. He's going to be. He's probably going to go somewhere else. And they probably re-sign a guy like Darnell Mooney to decent money. And and then they, you know, they have Scott, they have probably will draft a guy, whomever. But it's it's a it's a room. And I think Scott's a guy we've barely talked about. But watch him come into some game and get some like 55-yard touchdown out of nowhere. And we're just gonna be like, holy shit, this is awesome. Because again, Mooney was a late round receiver, and look how he panned out. And the Bears are very prideful of at least in the last couple of years of how they've helped develop some of these young guys coming out late in the draft and how they've been able to find kind of late talent. Maybe Scott's another one of those guys. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, it's, my answer is a little different and it's 
it's a bit of a uh, pretty biased because he was my guy going into the draft, but it's Trevon Dexter. I am excited to watch, and th- this isn't necessarily this season. This mm-hmm. is, I'm excited to watch Trevon Dexter over his career, watch him yeah. develop over the next two, three years as a guy who is a little more raw to football and had some weirder assignments in college of what he was being asked to do. Like, so they always say, right, you you hear from former NFL GMs, former coaches of like, we get into rookie minicamp, we get into training camp, we know who's a bust, and we know who's who's the real deal. Mm -hmm. The Bears are pushing the hell out of Javon Dexter right now. They feel like they are pretty damn sure this guy is good. And I am excited to see it because I felt the same way watching his tape before the draft. Heck yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's another guy too. Q just to quickly add before we, uh, we venture to the, the position that most nervous about, which is ironic because most people had the same answer, but uh, yeah, I mean, they, they just released a get to know Javon Dexter on their YouTube channel for the bears. Like I saw that he's wearing number 98. It's a good looking number on him. Like, Again, a guy, yeah, but I just <laughs> he's a guy that you know, when you and I talked about it, Q, you know, over the last handful of shows, just a guy that again he profiles as a guy that he's never going to be the flashiest player, but son of a bitch, he's going to make a difference in the middle, middle part of that defensive line, and that goes a long way. I mean, look at all the years that the Bears defense was successful in the 4 3. Yes, Tommy Harris, yes, Henry Melton were good three techniques. But they usually had a pretty solid one complimenting them mm-hmm. as well. And guys like, you know, Tank Johnson and, and some older names as well. So, Ian Scott. Yeah, Ian Scott was a monster at the one tech. So, uh, you know, if they can get that out of a guy like Javon Dexter, where I think today's world, the 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 four three one is a little more athletic than it used to be. Yeah. You never you know. Be able to, you got to be interchangeable. I don't think you yeah. had to be as interchangeable back then. But um, and that's not to say that. I'm not worried about the D line or I think Javon Dexter is going to come out and be like defensive rookie of the year or anything like that. I'm just really excited to see his growth game to game. Fair. Um, Fair so the next one position most nervous about, as we've touched on, Robert actually took us for a bit of a spin here. Starting off with saying the obvious choice is D line, but he's going with O line and I'm not going to rehash everything that we've said about the offensive line, but ultimately Ultimately, his take came down to to put this many expectations on your QB. You'd like to see more on the O-line, especially for a QB who holds the ball longer mm-hmm. than most. Um, and then, for the most part, it was, yeah, everyone else was D-line. Jay Wood talking about how, you know, even though you took the, you got the two rookies, there's, still, there's just not that star here and that strong player even. Not, not even necessarily star, but D-line is so much about star talent that it, it's hard to say you've got much unless you got at least one guy that you feel like can make a Pro Bowl any given year. Um, and then, let's see. Skokes, who's going to rush the passer? <laughs> Same thing. Talk the, a little bit about – The best start to the answer, too. Just Yeah. Who's going to rush the passer? Who's going to go get him? <laughs> Who's going to go get him? Not yeah. me. Are you? <laughs> it was perfect. Talked yeah. a little bit about oh, yeah. Travis Gibson, how we, you know, 
the expectations are pretty high for him with more opportunities. He didn't quite live up to it. And hopefully, you know, maybe we'll see something from there. Dominique Robinson had the, the big first game last year, but then you started to realize that the workload was a lot more than he was used to and that he was a pretty raw player coming into the league. Um, and then Brandon had a, again, just a really interesting discussion here that we had about D-line and really got into it talking about he's really interested to see what flus and Williams are going to draw up this year for the D line. And he went on to talk about how when you don't have the Jimmies and Joes on defense, it doesn't really matter what the X's and O's are a lot of the time. It's just really hard to create production when you don't have the talent. Mm -hmm. And he, he sees them doing a lot of work to create stunts, to get guys free. Went on to say that you got to run stunts. You got to blitz. You need to generate pressure do whatever you have to do to create havoc out there. And it's just hard to do when you don't have a guy who is like the center of all that, right? Who is yeah. telling you which way the, sh the line is going to mm. shift to in pass protection and with it to, to that give you that trigger of like, oh, we see how they're playing Khalil Mack, so we know the rest now. Like yeah. that, that ace card is not there for them. And it's just hard to do when when your front is that low on talent. But what do you think, Ron? Yeah, I think uh, I, I think it would be easy to to go back and and say like, oh, the D line is the biggest concern, and I, I think it's the it's the position they address, addressed the least in the off season. So I think that's why it's very easy to point there and say, there, there's your glaring hole in the team. But to the point that Brandon brought up about scheming up the defense and bringing pressure from other places. They've added athletes everywhere else on defense. And they even added athletes on the on the defensive line. Who's to say that Zach Pickens doesn't become a decent pass rusher from the three technique? Maybe Dexter is a decent pass rusher at best from a one spot. And now all of a sudden, you know, and Walker gives you some kind of production as kind of that, you know, maybe more of an interior rush guy on passing downs. Maybe they do create just enough havoc where, a Tremaine Edmonds on a blitz or a TJ Edwards on a blitz, or maybe even a Jack Sanborn on a blitz. Somebody of that nature is going to increase Jaquan Brisker coming on a blitz. I mean, he was the team's leading sack getter last season for, Go for, for two in a row. Yeah. Why not? You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I think that articulates like there's going to be ways they can potentially find to make up for it. And again, I don't think they're done yet on the D line. I think you're going to see cuts after, you know, that first wave from training camp where the bears are going to get somebody. There's going to be a, a veteran that gets cut that nobody's expecting because of cap or what have you, or just he gets beat out by somebody. They're going to snatch him up immediately and plug and play at one of the DN spots. I think that's what's going to happen. It's For me, though, it's the O-line. It's 100% the O-line because I think Robert put it perfectly. When you have this much anticipation and, and kind of expectation invested in your young quarterback – you would hope there was more investment in the offensive line in front of him than there actually was. There's a lot of betting on what ifs in this offensive line right now because the talent's there. Tevin Jenkins went healthy is a fantastic guard. I think Cody Whitehair over the course of his career, despite being a natural guard, has done very well at center. And Nate Davis, again, the stats show he's a very good pass blocking, you know, interior lineman. But it's just the what ifs can all three of them stay healthy for more than 12 to 15 games? You know, honestly, if you got 15 games on all of them, I'd be happy if they miss one or two games here and there. So be it. You can get, you can get by with that. But if these guys miss more than four, five games, 
Now all of a sudden you're starting to get into what the hell are we going to do territory? I think they do the same thing they did with the D line and they address the depth somehow. But I think a bigger swing on the offensive line would have given me a little bit more kind of confidence in what they're going to do and what that's going to mean for Justin Fields this year. So although I, I, I still feel very strongly about the D line, my ultimate answer is the offensive line. What about you? So mine's like, despite what I said earlier about like, just being like, nah, Fields will be fine. Like, I'm most nervous about Justin Fields when I'm really looking at it. Like, I mean, I'm not – I like, there were two different questions, right? It was like yeah. the – what was it? The, so this one's the position you're most nervous about, and the yeah. other was the, the least favorite thing that you've seen from the Bears. So mm-hmm. the least favorite thing was more about Getsy of like, I didn't like that offense at the end of the day last year mm-hmm. right but right. so the thing i'm most nervous about how can it not how can it be anything but justin fields i'm hoping we have a franchise quarterback for the first time in a hundred years mm. like i it, it, nervous doesn't mean that like i don't think it'll work to me but it's like i'm just on pins and needles waiting to see it like and like when it goes wrong i'm gonna die with every snap and when it goes right i'm just gonna like thrive in every snap that's i am nervous about justin fields i am excited about justin fields like it is both yes and it is like pins and needles man preach i you know what q i went off on a small rant about this the other day just talking to my dad because we were talking bears and he's like they're gonna be fun to watch i said you know what i was thinking about the other day i was like the Blackhawks, I know what the Blackhawks are going into this this season, right? It's a building year. They're in a rebuild. You got the number one pick. You got Connor Bedard, the generational talent. He's going to be fun to watch. They're going to be a fun team. They're probably still going to suck, and that's okay. I'm there to watch the fun, not the suck. The Bears, on the other hand, though, there's so much anticipation and expectation attached to it, to, to your point. I am nervous about Justin Fields as well. My Because, again, this is either – this team's fun as hell this year. And yeah, maybe they lose some close games because the defense just gets beat up because the the lack of talent on the pass rush and and quarterbacks can sit like really good quarterbacks are going to sit back there and probably dice this defense up a little bit. But what if Justin doesn't perform? Right. He wins That's... four games maybe next year at best. And we're sitting here going, do they take Caleb Williams in, in the first round? Do they use those two picks to try and trade up and have a shot at him? And that's not the conversation I want to have. I, I want us to be sitting here going, how do we make this ball club better now that we know we got the franchise quarterback? Because Q, neither one of us, and let's be completely, I'm going to drop F-bombs, completely fucking frank here. The, the Bears maybe have never had a franchise quarterback. The closest thing you can maybe say to that is what? Jay Cutler? I mean, if you want to count Sid Luckman, you have to. Yeah, like. Sid Luckman was the last franchise, true franchise quarterback that this, that the Bears did not have to yeah. go get from somebody else. And that was in the 1940s. Like, oh God, even who's my the parents... best quarterback we've ever drafted since Luckman? McMahon, I guess? Maybe. Maybe. Kyle Orton, Kyle Orton might not be up there for that award. And that's not a shot of <laughs> Kyle Orton, but like, when your best homegrown talent at quarterback in your team's history since the 1940s is a game manager out of Purdue, like Drew, not Brees. named Drew Brees, <laughs> shit, that's not good. So I want a franchise quarterback. I am right there with you, Q. I love that point. Okay, so last question here was just 
simple as a prediction. Robert said his heart says nine and eight, but his head says seven and ten. And he doesn't know where the losses are going to come from. He just knows there's probably two or three losses where we're asking, how on earth did this happen? It's inevitable. There, there'll be a bad call that twists a close game. There'll be a horrible fumble, an interception off a helmet. Fluky stuff happens in football. You mean, you mean like, it's like, football. A, like a drop pass from Equanimous St. Brown or like a no call on a clear pass interference against Chase Claypool type yeah. thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> um, so he says ultimately he's going with seven. And he knows he, he doesn't think he'll be disappointed with seven. And it's a little bit a little bit of protection there, which I, I can fully respect. Um, and then let's see. Let's go to Skokes because he said the same number. I think seven and ten is the sweet spot. And then we got into some some fun conversation about how we better – we got to win week one. And talking a lot of shit, we got to win week one, which I, I fully agree with. That yeah. If they lose week one, it's going to be pretty miserable on Twitter and with any Green Bay friend. We all have them. We all can't stand up there, our friends. So what can you do? Um, and then let's see. Jonathan Wood. Or actually, let, let's, do, let's do Brandon first. Brandon said somewhere between six to eight wins. And he asked, if he has to pick a number, he said he's going with seven. Thinks it's going to be a lot of excitement. A lot of close games, a lot of coin flips out there that could easily push this number up or down because that's what coin flips do. I mean, look at the Vikings last year. But ultimately, he says that he thinks that's six to eight. That is the range. And he doesn't care that that he's not predicting a winning season. As long as you're competitive and you're seeing Justin Fields grow. That's the only thing that matters this year. You're not expecting to win a bunch of games. Your number one worry is seeing Justin Fields grow. And we we see it. We see a guy who puts in all the work, says all the right things, and supposedly does all the right things. So now we need to see the development because we know he's doing all this stuff. We we know that it's all coming together. So that development needs to follow. And then he he even made a point of like, we want to see some struggles in training camp. Right. We, we want to see him have down days because that's where development happens. Development doesn't happen when you have Jay Cutler interceptionless camp. Right. Development happens when you go through the ups and downs and learn things from failure. Mm-hmm. So you'd rather have that happen in camp than in season. Yeah. Put, put, put learning, put, put learning points on tape is more yeah. or less what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, so Jay Wood, I thought had the, one of the most reasonable takes here and most interesting of that this Bears team is one of the hardest to predict in the NFL because there are so few certainties and so many unknowns, but there is talent here. So it's like, there's a lot of swinging points, a lot of pivot points on this roster that changes a lot of things each time one moves yeah. and a lot of moving pieces, I guess would be the best, best way to say it. Um, so he ended up saying He's going cautiously optimistic at nine and eight, just as easily eight and nine, I assume. But like, I, I like that one. And he thinks that this team could win 10 or 11 if everything goes right. Now, everything goes right. That's a lot of things. And like we said earlier, that doesn't happen much in the NFL, but I, I, I liked his answer a lot. And he even talked about the elephant in the room of Justin Fields, mm-hmm. like, actually having an NFL caliber offense around him for the first yeah. time ever. 
So yeah. I, I thought, well, not first time ever. He had an NFL caliber offense at Ohio State, but we'll let that slide. <laughs> Fact. So what, what what do you see happening, Ron? I, yes, yes. I, I agree with, I think, everything, because everybody said the same things. Like, things go right. This team absolutely can win nine or ten games and probably make the playoffs. I, I don't think the NFC is that talented this season. I think outside of the Eagles, there's a lot of, again, what-if teams, right? Are the Lions going to be better? Do the Vikings regress? Do, you know, there's a lot of what ifs that really the Eagles in my eyes are the only certain team. The NFC South is a hot bin of garbage that probably is only going to produce one playoff team this year. So there's a world that the NFC East or the NFC, you know, or the NFC North have, you know, three playoff teams. Like, I think that's really, really possible. Because I, I think the West might be that way too. I don't know what the West's going to do. I think you got San Fran. I think Seattle's still going to be solid, but Arizona's not going to be good. They're, they're without Kyler for a long part of the season. I don't think LA is going to be very. Everyone's good. sleeping on the Cardinals. Watch out! Hey, they're going to win. They're, they're over under is four and a half wins. They're going to oh, win think, six games. I think they win. No, I think they win six games, but they're they're not making the playoffs, right? No. So I, I think Rams are going for Caleb though. Fact. I, I think this is a this is a this is a year where the Bears can have a lot go right, maybe not everything go right, and still be good enough to make the postseason. I don't know if they are, they're good enough to go on a Super Bowl run. I don't think they are at all. But they could absolutely make the playoffs, maybe sneak out with a, a first-round win somehow and then get disappointed in the second round, and I, I would be very pumped about that. But realistically, 7-10 and is the sweet spot for me. It really is. It's it's a lot of, of learning moments throughout this year a lot of close games. I don't think they get blown out by anybody. I really don't. I think it's going to come down to one or two things here and there in every game that's going to dictate a lot of these losses. And again, to Robert's point, we're going to have three or four of those losses that go, son of a bitch, what happened? Like they could have won that game. But if we're sitting here with seven wins and four, they could have had that ones. Realistically going into 2024, then that means fields is cemented as your guy. You got two first round picks to upgrade this roster and a fuck ton of cap space still. That, that means, to me, playoff step forward then in 2024. So, optimistically, I see a world where this team to, wins 10 games and is a playoff team. But assuming shit's going to go wrong because it's the NFL and it's whatever we want to call this reality, things will go wrong. Um, 7 and 10. 7 and 10 is where I stand. What about you? I can't help but be more optimistic than my brain says to be. I, I got them at 9 wins. I like that. I like that. I got them at 9. I just think, I mean, so if Fields misses more than one game, that goes down to seven or eight, I think. But if Fields yes. stays healthy for the season, I think nine wins is is where I expect them to be, assuming other stuff is going to go wrong in there. But if everything goes right, you're talking 10 wins, probably maybe 11. But that's, again, everything going right doesn't really happen. No. So I think nine is a fair spot. Um and I, a lot of that comes down to, for me, there are only three games, I think, on the schedule, either two or three, where it's like, yeah, that won't even be a coin flip. So every other game, I think, becomes a coin flip at that point. And sure, you're going to have a tough time with teams, with division opponents this year, right? Detroit, one of the best O-lines in football. They're going to run a power run game at you. Mm -hmm. Bears are going to struggle with that. They're going to struggle to stop that. But you know what the Lions are going to struggle to do? Hopefully, stop Justin Fields and DJ Moore. Thanks. And 
the Bears passing offense and the Bears running offense. So like I feel like I feel pretty good about some of these matchups where you can't where you worry about stopping the run. Green Bay is gonna be a tougher one because that defense is still extremely talented. Mm-hmm. I, I think the Green Bay games are gonna be rough. Like I think the Bears can win them, but I think they're gonna be tough watches. Um 17 and then outside of that games. outside of the division games, because division games are also weird too, because they know you better than anyone. You know them better than anyone. It gets on a weird point. But <laughs> that was a great line by Skokes. Yeah, I don't know. Dan Campbell's cool, cool at all. Oh, but um, but really, the outside division games, mm-hmm. I cautiously say I think the Bears might have the better quarterback, and the better quarterback tends to win more 50-50 games than not. So sure. give me nine and eight. I like that. I like that a lot, man. Yeah. And you know what? I think at the end of the day, what we learned from this experiment is like, I think the overarching state of where this team is, is very clear to a lot of people, but I think everybody gets to that point differently in the sense of how they get there, what they're thinking, right. Of, you know, and there, there's some other answers, obviously Skokes, I think provided us some of the more unique answers, which was great. You know, being excited about the DB room, being, you know, a little more upset about things that are just, being a fan of the team and and going and seeing this team perform and, and being able to capture the moment type things and just seeing what the bears did in their investment and where that's going and the what ifs of this season. I think a lot of people are very much in lockstep, but I think in the same right, everybody does have their little intricacies that they're either excited or not excited about for this team coming up in this year. And I, I think there is still very clear, like, Yes, maybe there's concern about like the O-line and the D-line and, and some of these other position groups, but I think everybody's concern levels are very different in, in how they yeah. look at it. I think that's what this experiment kind of showed with four very different people joining us on the on the show here and, and discussing through everything. Um, it was fun, man. It was a lot of fun seeing the different yeah. takes, and it, it made the off season a little more enjoyable because we are very much in the dog days of football season right now, yeah. waiting for training camp to start up. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it, this was a lot of fun. We're, we're going to put out an article talking about it and with links to everything here pretty soon. And do we want to toss these guys' names up one more time to tell everyone to go give them a follow? Absolutely, absolutely. We will definitely do that. So if you can see on our screen here, if you're listening, watching with us live on YouTube, if you're not watching with us live on YouTube, uh, have a pen and paper ready. I'll read all these out for you. So again, our first episode, our film guy was Mr. Robert Schmitz. Over at Windy City Green Iron, he is at Robert K. Schmitz, S-C-H-M-I-T-Z, over on the Bluebird app. Uh, Our stat guy was Mr. Jonathan Wood, at Jonathan, that's with an H, don't be ignorant and just spell it J-O-N, J-O-H-N-A-T-H-A-N, underscore Wood, one. Um, Then our boy Skokes, at I, underscore Am, underscore Skokes, S-K-O-K-S, on the Bluebird app. And then again, coach Brandon Robinson, he is at B Rob NFL on Twitter. Um, again, huge shout out to all four of them. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you are a fan of bears on tap and you follow us, please be sure to follow these guys. Um, not only will we probably see them again at some point this season, but uh, we're, we're going to, you know, be interacting with them and, and appreciate them coming on with us Q. So, I mean, just a, a hell of a series here with the, with the four, uh, I'm intrigued to see the article uh, come out as well and, and what that ends up being. But um, again, a big thank you to all of these guys uh, being a part of this experiment to just see 
what everybody's thoughts are on the Bears entering this upcoming season. Q, any uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here for the day? No, I think I'm a I think I'm a lot of takes, which is rare. <laughs> that, hey, that's okay. Uh, we talked a lot of good football. I uh, want to remind everybody you can follow along with us at Bears on Tap on Twitter. Be sure to follow our friends over at the Bears Nation podcast as well at Bears Nation Pod on Twitter. Um, and be sure to follow along. Training camp is coming along soon. We are one of two official Bears podcasts of the On Tap Sports Network. You guys know the drill. We got everything covered, both baseball teams in Chicago, Hawks, uh, Bulls. And obviously right here with the Bears and so much more over at ontapsportsnet.com and at ontapsportsnet on social media, the ontap sports network. Go and check out what's on tap in Chicago sports Q. It's always a pleasure, my man. This was fun. Again, a big shout out and thank you to all four of our guests being a part of this experiment. Uh, I'm sure we'll reference this experiment leading all the way up to week one. Uh, and then we'll be with you throughout the whole course of the season. And we'll give you a little bit of a, a what bears on tap is going to look like as we get a little closer to the season this year, more, more takes and, and more reaction, maybe less breaking down. Down games, um, you know, in terms of pre and post games uh, this coming season. Should be a lot of fun. Q, what do you say, buddy? We get out of here the only way we're now at Bears on Tap? Bear down. Bear down, baby. <laughs>